This is Fun Raising Radio, and today's a guest speaker. We have Dave Whelan, the CEO at Bioscience LA. And in this episode, we'll talk about bioscience and life tech again, and how founders working in this field can actually profit somehow from the pandemic and how they can help themselves fundraise because of this pandemic. So, Dave, I'll last kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Bioscience LA. Sure. Thank you so much, Constantine. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Um, so just just really quickly, my my background, I, I call myself a, a technologist who became a business person, who became a, a health tech business person uh, over uh, over a number of years, kind of almost accidentally fell into healthcare and health tech. But I've been in Los Angeles for the past 20 years after getting my my MBA at UCLA and have really focused on what I call the intersection of technology, health, and wellness uh, over much of that time, from wearables to genomics to cancer diagnostics to, to consumer health data to enterprise health data, really all about how do you how do you leverage data to help individuals, whether it's physicians or patients or consumers, make make better health decisions. And I've been building organizations and ecosystems kind of across the country, even around the world a little bit, and always coming back to Los Angeles and wanting to do wanting to do more here, wanting to build build more here because the potential is huge. And so i uh, I joined uh, joined Bioscience LA as its first permanent CEO uh, just uh, just a few months ago. My first day was actually on Monday, March sixteenth, which was sort of a momentous day here in uh, here in Los Angeles and in California with uh, with with pandemic on us and uh, very quickly our, our role with our goal with bioscience LA is to be a, an independent really innovation catalyst innovation accelerator for life sciences and health tech across across LA growing funding growing space growing talent really growing the profile of uh, the industry mm-hmm Got it. So, what exactly does Bioscientially do? Yeah, good, good question. Since uh, a lot of that is, in some ways, some ways still in formation, but you know, again, as as an independent, independent nonprofit, we're really here to represent the region, to grow the region, and and basically support every stakeholder, stakeholder, whether that's a large company like Amgen or a large institution like a Cedar sinai or a UCLA uh, down to a single person startup in a in a lab or in a garage uh, you know working on working on the next next technology and so again looking at I, I call these three primary levers of funding space and technology where we're focusing on how can we help startups entrepreneurs growing companies connect to investment funding of all kinds how can we help investors understand what kinds of companies and technologies are out there? How do we help those uh, help those companies get connected to new, better spaces to grow, uh, which is part of the emerging growth of, of of wet lab spaces here in Los Angeles, co-working spaces focused on the healthcare industry, and then focusing on growing talent as a third area, which is everything from building leadership development programs to working on workforce training programs that can help someone at the entry level and you know, get the skills they need to eventually mm-hmm. get into a job as a say a, a lab tech or a, a production engineer or something like that and so again our role is really to 
catalyze the whole region by collaborating with other events organizations that are out there, collaborating with funding organizations, and in particular, collaborating with with, with research organizations, both academic and healthcare. Mm -hmm. Got it. So um, let's go kind of step by step so that everyone understands the process and everyone can feel how this works. So first step is finding the good startup, right, that you will introduce to the investors. How do you find those startups? How do you source the, the deals? Yeah, so uh, and it's it's sort of it's very much a two-way street. So I will say, in some ways, we want we want them to seek us out as much as we're we're seeking them out. Uh, in my in my role, this is very much almost a a continuation or an evolution of what I've been doing for many years. I, I spend a lot of time, well, I'll say out out there, uh, you know, networking and meetings, which used to be face to face and has now been very virtual. But I spend a lot of time. On on phone calls, on on Zooms, really talking to talking to entrepreneurs, talking to research organizations, talking to other connectors in the in the industry and in the ecosystem here. And the goal is just to understand understand who's doing what, understand where the high potential opportunities are, and then when it makes sense, helping uh, helping to connect the dots. And sometimes that says. As high level as we've got on the Bioscience LA uh, website, we have a list of resources, both both funders and uh, spaces, and even accelerator programs, things like that. So sometimes it's really just pointing people to some of the resources that are that are out there. Other times it's you know based on specific technologies where I might have some. I might have some experience, might have some knowledge, or just I, I know the right person to talk to. I, I like to be that connector that helps to helps to introduce the the right right people, the right haves with the right wants, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Got it. And by the way, I will definitely leave a link to Bioscience LA in the description of this episode. So if anyone uh, wants to check out those resources, you should definitely click the link. <laughs> so let's talk about life science, healthcare and biotech right now, because this field is probably one of the ones that are in super high demand now because of this pandemic. How should founders working in those fields actually use it to their advantage? So what should they do? How should they emphasize uh, this fact to the investors yeah so absolutely i will say if you first of all life sciences health tech in general has been growing faster than the economy for for many years uh in 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 la in the us and you know in much of the world the entire healthcare economy tends to be one of the largest if not the the largest sectors of the economy so we're already talking about a big a big space in general. When you kind of drill down into life sciences technologies, health technologies, that's a that's a subset of that. But it, it has been growing quickly, especially in newer areas like digital health, telemedicine, genomics, things like that. And then, as you mentioned, accelerating even more, or the the importance has accelerated even more. Uh, certainly, over the past few months, with uh, with, with COVID nineteen and sort of both responses to that, as well as proposed future solutions, and so this is absolutely a a great time to be in uh, in in healthcare and health technology. Um, what it, the interesting kind of opportunity and also challenge is that there there's been almost you know almost I'll, I'll say 
too much of uh, too much of an emphasis on every solution connecting to COVID-19 in some way. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I hear investors who are sort of very focused on, on COVID-19. I, I hear entrepreneurs who were working on maybe a, a cancer diagnostic or, or something like that and suddenly are, are working on, on working on COVID-19. And <laughs> I, I will say that I will say that there's kind of pros and cons to that, right? So anyone who is working on a, a technology or solution that could come into play, could support this pandemic, if it if it makes sense to be devoting resources, by all means, absolutely. Right now, the the world needs all the help we can get around that. But what's even more important to remember is that everything else that they were working on before, and you know, certainly thinking about conditions like uh, like like cancer or or diabetes, where these are important issues. They've been important issues. They will continue to be. And in fact, you can look at kind of the 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 comorbidities or uh, you know overlapping trends. And someone who has uh, who has cancer, someone who has diabetes, someone who's immunocompromised in some way, they are even more susceptible to an infectious disease uh, like uh, like COVID nineteen. And so. We want to make sure that we're not kind of focusing all of our energy on one side of the spectrum and forgetting that there's a lot of other a lot of other conditions. So that's one kind of general, you know, general guidance. But then, you know, as I mentioned, some of these these tech trends that have really been growing over the past few years are now growing even more quickly and, and even more important. So take something like telemedicine, which uh, in the US has been somewhat frustrating maybe very frustrating over over the past several years because we've we've really had all of the technology pieces in place to be able to provide telehealth solutions uh, across across the country around the world be able to to reach people quickly and effectively deliver care and provide a whole different layer of uh, of service and guidance that might not have been possible otherwise yet telehealth has been really slowed down by the regulatory side of things. And, and that's been frustrating to a lot of technology developers over the past several years, even frustrating to some uh, uh, physicians and other providers. And then in the midst of uh, this pandemic, when everyone was uh, compelled to, to stay at home, suddenly telehealth became something that was much more, much more relevant, uh, much more needed, mm -hmm. and almost overnight, the, uh, the FDA and other regulatory uh, bodies basically uh, made it made it possible for telehealth to flourish. And so any company that was sort of toiling away, working on telehealth solutions, hoping for a big break, that big break happened over the past few months. And so now all of those companies are are doing tremendously well. And there's other new entrants coming into to play. And you know, one more example around that is, uh, is the mental health space. And, and mental health has been an area that's been of, I would say, high interest for, for several years. And that's in the, in the services arena, in the digital health arena, both looking at the uh, digital diagnostics as well as digital therapeutics. And something like mental health becomes even more important when we're when we're all stuck at home. You know, you know, people are people are not working, people don't have access to the you know, to their friends, to entertainment, uh, to you know, ways to release some uh, um, 
you know, release some pressure from their lives. And so uh, mental health becomes even more of a, a critical issue. And so that's another area where I've seen tons of growth over the past few months. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right here. And there was a big breakthrough in that field. So that's great. Uh, but, you know, I want to make this one a little bit more general because only a few percent of my listeners are actually in this field. So the rest of them are just sitting there right now and wondering why why am I doing this one? So let's let's talk a bit more general. I get that Bioscience LA is like great uh, company that connects dots basically. Do you know anything like Bioscience LA but for more general fields? So for example, for uh, consumer tech or for B2B tech or uh, just anything but bioscience or life tech. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that's this is one area where in particular in Los Angeles, we are we are truly blessed. We we live in such a, a diverse ecosystem here, and that's diversity of excuse me, diversity of, of population, diversity of industry uh, or sectors within healthcare, and then to your point, diversity of uh, you know, industries outside of healthcare. And so you look at some of the the leading industries here in Los Angeles, uh, from aerospace to clean tech to uh, say you know entertainment technology, um, and then even you know more broadly. And we've got just a, a wealth of resources from uh, from organizations like uh, like like TechStars that have uh, their uh, their space accelerator program, which is uh, you know working with companies like. Uh, uh, like SpaceX and Boeing and, and other leading companies on the aerospace side to help develop companies in, in aerospace. You've got the uh, the, the Disney accelerator uh, um, connected to uh, obviously the you know Walt, Walt Disney Company that is tied to entertainment tech. Uh, and you know, I've seen everything from fitness technology to media technology to toys go through that. Um, we have the the LA Clean Tech Incubator, which is uh, honestly one of the the nation's leading programs around uh, clean tech acceleration, and then even more broadly, organizations like the the LARTA Institute, that's L-A-R-T-A, which is a uh, really a, a, a commercialization accelerator for companies uh, in LA and beyond, but they're, they're, they're based here in LA. They've been here for uh, over 25 years, and they tend to work with early stage technology based companies or even uh, entrepreneurs researchers who um, have access to SBIR funding from uh, NIH or NSF or Department of Energy things like that and so we've got resources like that as well as uh, more more locally based resources uh, uh, that are focused on you know focused on a certain part of you know part of town here in LA and what I love is that, all of those organizations work together. They share ideas. They they connect. And so, um, you know, from a bioscience LA standpoint, I'm I'm talking to people at uh, at the clean tech incubator at LARDA. Um, you know, have relationships with the, uh, the 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 space accelerator and things like that. Because ultimately, some of these ideas cross industries, and and ultimately, some entrepreneurs. Are, are working in one industry and then uh, shift into something else because it's it's not so much that they're focused on a single industry as that they're focused on, hey, I want to innovate around remote technology. I want to innovate around uh, um, you know collaboration, things that ultimately can span multiple industries. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And by the way, speaking of a late clean tech incubator, I interviewed the senior investment director of uh, LACI. So if anyone's curious, just go to the episodes and search LACI. That was a fun episode indeed. So uh, let's move on to the topic that I personally I'm personally a big fan of, which is alternative sources of capital. Well, no, there are multiple of them, but mostly entrepreneurs, especially first-time entrepreneurs, pursue the two standard paths, angel investors and VCs. So what do you think are the best and your personally favorite alternative sources of capital for startup founders? Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite questions as well, and one that I, I love to talk about. And so I, you know, I just I just mentioned Larda Institute, and so uh, you know, I'm going to go back go back into that that space for a second. You know, in particular in the in the sciences, in in life sciences, and that's everything from kind of the the biotech side of things to the med device side of things to even digital health. One area that I encourage all entrepreneurs to look at is uh, is, is non-dilutive funding, and you know that's really that's grant grant funding is a you know it's a fancy way of saying grant funding, and in particular in the sciences and and health tech, there are so many options from uh, NIH, the National Institutes of Health, to uh, NSF, the National Science Foundation. You know, even as I mentioned, some of these other agencies like Department of Energy or Department of Agriculture. National uh, uh, Institute of Standards, uh, NIST, all of the government agencies have amazing funding programs, NSF in particular, which is uh, uh, NSF, I think their tagline is uh, the, the nation's seed fund. And it, it really is, it really is that. They make uh, investments, but again, these are, this is non-dilutive, they're not taking equity. These are, are grants to help move companies and research forward. and. If you are an early stage technology innovator and you think you've got something special, it is worthwhile taking a look at some of those grant programs. The, the applications are, are, not, are not easy, but there are people out there who can help with those and, and Larda Institute and other organizations can help uh, you know, point the way with that. But that's a great source of capital. And then beyond that, uh, you know, again, in particular in the the health tech space, where when you think about healthcare, you tend to think about uh, uh, doing well by doing good, right? So uh, you know, health healthcare related businesses, whether they're a, a digital health or, or medical device or, or or biotech, ultimately you're, you're building a business to help people. And so what that also mm-hmm. tends to mean is that there might be other others out there who are willing to support that. And so uh, in in healthcare from large foundations that just have an interest in in health and wellness um, to uh, disease foundations. So uh, you know what I what I've learned over the years is that uh, you know every single every single disease uh, you know from every single type of cancer to uh, to diabetes to uh, you know Parkinson's you know, you name it there are one or sometimes two or three or or many more organizations, uh, nonprofit foundations that are focused on that disease. And they often exist to support uh, uh, to support patients who have those diseases to bring together family members, but they're also uh, very much focused on uh, on on funding to help support cures, help support solutions for those areas. And so again, that's another, Another way to access non-dilutive funding, and then a, a third one I'll, I'll bring up because again I think it it comes into play 
maybe a bit more in, in the health space than in others, but I would argue that almost any industry has this example where, you know, think about large, large partners, whether they are, uh, they could be large, uh, almost, you know, they could be competitors someday uh, or, or, or collaborators or even customers. So in healthcare, you think about, you're a, a health technology startup. Um, can you do a deal, uh, do some sort of collaboration, which could involve some investment funding from, mm -hmm. say, a large company like like Amgen, which has business development groups, which has venture groups. You know, they 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 make uh, they make investments or support startups in many different ways. Or you look at an organization like uh, like Kaiser, uh, you know, large uh, large healthcare uh, provider, uh, you know, payer and provider, and between collaborations around new technologies between their ventures groups, all of these organizations, big pharma, big health tech, uh, big uh, hospitals, even insurance companies, they all have various ways to support technology providers and, and new solutions in healthcare. And again, some of those can be non-dilutive, even if they are dilutive, they're a very different sort of approach than going to an angel or going to a, a VC firm. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And by the way, speaking of grants, I had an interview with the CEO of opengrants.io. So if you're curious to go like very, very deep into grants, just search grants 101. <laughs> That's the second episode I wanted to mention here. But let's move on to the founders who are not in bioscience or life tech or life science. How should they raise now? So during this pandemic, when they're or when there are so many people trying to tackle the problem of the pandemic, of the health issues, et cetera, et cetera, and investors seem to be focused on that. How should founders not in this field you know, stand out of this crowd of pandemic-focused people? Yeah, and again, I think there's uh, there, there has been a little bit of a, I, mean, I wanna say a lot, but a, a little bit of a retrenching with some investors, and in, in particular, in in April, May, June, what we what we've seen is a lot of investors. It's not that they're, it's not that they're unwilling to make investments right now, but more that with their limited bandwidth, they they really want to focus on helping helping their portfolio companies, their current portfolio companies weather this storm. And so they they've basically shifted a lot of their attention to working on their their current portfolio as opposed to bringing new companies into the portfolio uh that said uh you know as we know uh, venture capital is a you know it's a it's a it's a long-term game there's uh there there's you know many many years of many years of growth required in you know in any investment and to support a you know to support a particular fund and so vcs always do need to be looking at what's next and where their next investments are, are going to come from and what I would say in general is that you look at any situation like this where the, the the common reaction in some ways is to kind of take a step back. It's to uh, it's to downsize. It's to it's to hide. It's to you know wait it out. And I think you know to some extent that's not a bad strategy for for an entrepreneur. If uh, if as an entrepreneur you you don't need to take outside capital right now and you can basically hunker down and, and use this time almost peace and quiet to focus on building your product, focus on having more customer conversations. You know, this might be the best time ever to have uh, 
to get customer data because uh, you know everyone is a is is a Zoom call away, and uh, you can probably get mm -hmm. time on people's calendars to really understand your market. You know, if you can do that, um, this is actually not not a bad approach. Just to uh, wait it out a little bit, but really strengthen your position. But then, yeah, you know, the next step beyond that is really strengthen your position, which is this is absolutely the time to be investing. This is the time to be focusing on not just how do we solve the problems in front of us today, which is everything from a healthcare crisis to an economic crisis to you know now social crisis layered on top of it. There's there's lots of problems to solve right now, but I I also think that we are in this this such upheaval right now that what can and should come out of that is uh you know is a real mode of rebuilding and and focusing on a bigger brighter future and so as an entrepreneur if you can look at where we are today look at where the world could be in 1 year 5 years 10 years and tell a really great story about how you are part of that long-term big solution and and this is this is the place where this is not about i've got a cool new product and people will buy it this is i have a concept that can be part of transforming the economy transforming the world really changing how uh you know how humans interact with something or how people uh you know can can live can grow can work this is the moment to be thinking about those really big ideas and, and getting them in front of investors, because I really do think that there are people out there who they are ready, willing, and able to write checks. And I think they're going to be most excited by things that are about kind of being part of this major inflection point in the world that we're entering. Right, right. And you mentioned very important part, which is storytelling. You got to be able to say like your 10 year vision <laughs> while telling 10 year vision. Don't forget your one month vision. So uh, be sure to cover both of those. And we're moving on to the last episode. I mean, to the last part of our episode, which is a call to action. So what's that one specific thing that you would like the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Absolutely. Well, besides just going to the Bioscience LA website, right. uh, I think that I think that really we are uh, we know we are in an inflection point in so many ways. Uh, healthcare, health technology, health innovation is a big part of that, and so I would really encourage uh, encourage all entrepreneurs to. Uh, it's not just about go out and start a, a health tech company, but but think about how what you're doing, whether it's a a consumer product or a, a service or a, a you know software or an app think about how that does connect into this this larger world of uh of health innovation and whether you know you know back to those three kind of uh three big areas of uh, uh upheaval and inflection right now of of, of health care economy and and so social issues how is what you're doing relevant to that that inflection right now how can it be relevant how can you really be part of a bigger picture i think if everyone focuses on that we're going to see some amazing companies coming out of this pandemic absolutely that's a great call to action so we'll wrap it up here thanks a lot dave for coming up and i think today's episode really fulfilled everything we did not mention the yesterday's episode so uh Thanks a lot for that. And by the way, for those who did not listen to the yesterday's episode, 
go on and check it out. It's about bioscience and life science as well. So it was a nice two episode discover of this topic. So thanks a lot for that and have a great day. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it and very excited that uh, very excited that uh, a lot of what we were talking about ties into some of your, your past episodes. Uh, great to see it all coming together and, uh, and fitting into a bigger story. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, I forgot to mention that the link is going to on Bioscience Elite is going to be in the description of this episode. So definitely go on and check it out.